comes to you. And we're so glad that you're here this morning. It's good to see you graduated from school. And would you give her, that's Gail's um, oldest. We love her. She's been at school for a year, and we're so glad she's here. And I think I saw Angel's brother, but they may have had to leave. They took the kids, but Angel's brother Felix, I believe, is here. I figured that's who he was. Your king comes to you. Sometimes it's a mystery how he comes. But if you'll hang with me for the next 30 minutes, I believe that the Lord will speak to us. Um, Zechariah 9 and 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king. Look at your neighbor and say, Your king is coming to you. This is a prophecy that was given in Zechariah 9. We're going to go to where it's fulfilled in one of the days in the lives of Christ and what he might say to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey, meaning the offspring of a donkey. As return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. One of my passages I love to preach on, that's not what I'm preaching on this morning, but your king comes to you. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit this morning. We thank you, sir. I trust your ability, Holy Spirit, to minister to your people. So I ask for you to bring forth what you want out of this word. And Lord, I pray for your people to be able to rope their thoughts in and channel their mind. And in a sense, Lord, to listen. Just to bring those thoughts into subjection and focus on the word of God. There's a lot of things going on in our life, Father. But none of them will change us. But the word will change us. It's changed millions. So we ask, Lord, for your grace to be upon this word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a mystery. It's often a mystery of how our king comes to us, Melody. It's a mystery. I mean, and that should be good to us because we love mystery on TV, right? Some of the most popular TV shows have to do with mystery. CSI, NCIS, um, Criminal, whatever that is. I don't like to watch that one. Um, yeah, Criminal Minds, um, Law and Order. Um, they're just mysteries. There's every kind of detective show. We love mystery, Matt, except when it has to do with what God is doing in my life. Can I get a witness? I don't want that mystery. Anybody else? I mean, I want God to work, but I don't want it to be a mystery. But often it is a mystery because in the moment, everyone's saying the moment, we can't see what he's doing. It takes time. Look at your neighbor and say, it takes time. This was a prophecy given, Keith, in Zechariah 9 to Israel. And God was giving them hope that their king was going to come to them. And you would think if you heard that your king was coming, you would want to hear something different than he's coming. And he's coming on a little child of a donkey. Not a child, but an offspring of a donkey. Has anyone ever had an experience with a donkey before? Um, this day that this was prophesied about was the day of Palm Sunday, which we honored a few weeks ago, but it was a wonderful life, and in Matthew 21, a wonderful day, someone say wonderful day, wonderful day when Jesus came, and in Matthew 21, it reads about that, but before I tell you about that, I want to tell you that prophecies often veil how God is going to come, not only prophecy, but often the way we imagine how God is going to turn it around for us, when he comes to turn around, it doesn't look what we thought it would. Often what we think will be our stepping stone in the workplace. Often what we think will be that breakthrough in our marriage. Often what we think will be that great thing working out in our finances. When, it sh when God shows up, it doesn't always look like God. Someone say to your neighbor, God doesn't always look like God. And this day, 
they're celebrating the Passover, and Jesus comes in his triumphant entry, and he's riding on a little donkey. This day is so powerful because in Israel's history, they were under Syrian occupation many years before this, and there was a man named Maccabees who rose up against the Syrians. He took charge, and he took triumphant charge over the evil occupators. And the reason that they were so upset, the Syrians took a pig, just a little history for you, and they burnt it on the temple mound. They cooked it. That was a very unclean animal to put on the temple. That's Old Testament. All we got to be thankful for today is that we have the lamb called Jesus. Amen. And it, it enraged Israel so much that Maccabees rose up like a mighty warrior. Think of like the movie 300. He rose up and he charged the Syrians and he overcame them. When he overcame them, Israel was so overwhelmed with, I can't believe this has just happened. Have you ever had, I can't believe this has just happened day? You, everyone has. Come on, wave a hand, let the angels take a snapshot. You've had that moment when you know God got you through something you could not have gotten through yourself. That you are alive today because God survived you alive. And when this happened, all of Jerusalem ran into the middle of the street and they grabbed, I don't have a palm branch, I don't want to upset this beautiful arrangement, but they grabbed palm branches and they came running into the middle of the city shouting out, we're saved, we're saved. So on the particular day when Jesus makes his entry into Jerusalem, it's right prior to the time that he's going to be arrested and crucified. When he comes into the city, all the Romans were wondering about him. In fact, in Luke 11.55, if you're taking notes, or John 11.55, if you're taking notes, they begin to say among themselves, who is this Jesus? They had heard of his miracles. They had heard that the lame were walking. They had heard that the blind eyes were open. They had heard all these miracles, but the religious leaders of the day said, who was this Jesus? And in John eleven fifty five, 55, they said, anyone that sees Jesus when he comes into Jerusalem, tell us, because we're going to arrest him. And then they said, anyone that sees arrest, tell us, because we're going to kill him too. Why did they want to kill Lazarus? Because he was the proof. Very good class. Because he was the proof. He had been resurrected from the dead. And you see, they, listen to this by the Spirit, wanted to kill all the evidence of the miracles of Jesus Christ. Before you clock out your brain to another time of history, let me tell you, Brother Gerald, let me tell you, Mr. Alex, that the enemy wants to annihilate any proof of the miraculous in your life. Come on, somebody. He wants to destroy anything. There's things in your past that often your mind, you think you're just having these thoughts, but it's the enemy coming to tell you, Matt Smith, that was just a coincidence that you didn't get destroyed then. That was just a coincidence that that car went left. Come on, somebody. And you went right. It is just a coincidence that you're not dead today. It's a coincidence that you didn't OD. It's a coincidence that that last pit, does anybody have a last pit? I've got about 20 of them. That that last pit 
didn't suck the very life out of you and you lost your mind. You see, your flesh will tell you it's a coincidence. The enemy will tell you it's just your good grammar that you are where you are. The enemy will say it's your cuteness. The enemy will say, or your own flesh will say, Jesus said there's nothing good in our flesh and there isn't. My own flesh can say I've survived what I've survived today because I come from strong-willed people. Let me tell you, Moccasin Ben is full today of people, which is the last stop before hell. If you've never get, been to see anybody at Moccasin Ben, they call it the last roundabout before the very pits of hell. You can go there today and there are people that are strong-willed. There are people that came from good DNA. There are people that can fight themselves out of a paper bag. You know, I'm encouraged about our fight. I'm encouraged about our intelligence. I'm encouraged about the right grammar that we might use, that we don't look like an idiot. But let me say and go on point what we said Wednesday night. Our hope, our strength, our miracles only come from one source, and that source is the power of Jesus Christ. Someone give him a praise in this house this morning. And that's why the enemy often would try to convince you that's just a coincidence. That didn't really happen. And so they're out to destroy Lazarus. They're out to kill the man that Jesus raised from the dead. He was walking proof. Well, let me say to you this morning, this message is not about Lazarus, cat, but you are a Lazarus as well. You are a walking person. Sometimes it takes a while to get the grave clothes off, but you are a walking, living miracle. And there may be authorities that don't recognize it. There may be friends. There may be parents that don't recognize it. There may be peers that don't recognize it. But the fact that you're walking and breathing and living today, you are a Lazarus and you are a walking billboard to someone else. If you survive that, they can survive that as well. Someone give Jesus a hand. So this is the setup, Sherry, for this day. In Matthew 21, it says, verse 1, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. You might recognize this familiar story. He said, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied. The donkey is tied, notice that. And a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. This was done, verse fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, which I just read to you in the opening of this message. Tell the daughter of Zion. Tell her that her king is coming to her. He might be lowly and sitting on a donkey, but he is coming. Let me say something to you this morning. A lot of time passed between Zechariah and Matthew. A lot of things came. I can't give you a history lesson, but there's an entire study at Lee University you take for a whole semester when you went through my degree that you wanted to get, and it's called Intertestamental Times, and it's everything that happened between the closing of Malachi and the opening of Matthew. And let me tell you, it takes from January to May to get through that material because a lot of things happen. Let me encourage you today. You've been holding on to a promise. God put something in your heart. There was something, Melissa, when you were a child that just made your spirit soar. You knew it was like something kicking inside of you that God had great plans for your life. Maybe it was before you even knew, Kelly, that there was a God. But let me say to you today, it doesn't matter how much time has passed. It may look different 
than you thought it would look. It may be a completely different situation, but let me encourage you. Your king comes to you when God says it's going to happen, when you lay claim to a promise in the word of God. Hold on. It doesn't matter if you're like on the back of a turnip truck and things are falling out like watermelons on a dirty country road and your head is bobbing up and down. Somebody, somebody go there with me. Your head is bobbing up and down. You think you're going to be thrown out to the left or thrown out to the right, but you hit B, big bump in the road, and everything goes up. You lose things. Anybody ever lost something? You lose things. Things went differently than you thought, but God meets you in the middle of the turnip truck road as the watermelons are flying and everything's going out, and he says, I am still your God, and I am still coming to you. Somebody give him praise this morning. Such a great word for us. Disciples did what he said to do. And the great multitude came and they brought the donkey and the colt. And they laid their clothes on them. And a very great multitude, you know the story, spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut down branches. And the multitude began to say, Hosanna to the Son of God. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Do you know what they were saying when they were saying Hosanna in the highest? They were saying Hosanna take me to the highest level. Hosanna means save us. When they said in the highest, they were saying take me to the highest level. And what they begin to do is they begin to spread their cloaks on the road. Now why did they spread their cloaks on the road? You might ask. I shall try to answer that. They spread their, they spread their cloaks on the road because their cloaks were symbolic of their identity. That means if I was a potter, I had a potter's cloak. If I was a rabbi, I had a rabbi's cloak. It means this was my identity. This is who I was. They didn't bathe as often as we bathed, so their cloaks were very important to them. They covered them, but they also identified who they were. And when they spread their cloaks before him, they took off their identity, as you and I have to do in the presence of the king, and say, I acknowledge higher than who I can become by myself. I acknowledge that you are the only one who can take me from this level to that level. I acknowledge that you are the only one, and I lay down my identity. I remember when I was going through my inner healing. I remember 33 years ago when the Spirit of God said to me, Rhonda, I want you to lay down what you think is right for your life, and I want you to pick up what I, the Lord, say is right for your life. You see, what he was saying is, I want you to take off this way of this is the way it's got to be. Isn't it amazing how we come to Jesus with all the ways, with our own cloak of this is how this is to be in my life. And if you are to work a miracle, it is to fit into my plans. Anybody else ever done that for Jesus? It's amazing how he doesn't submit to those requests. But if you're going to do it, here is my cloak. You see, this is my identity. But when I lay it down, I say, take me to the highest level. Someone say, take me to the highest level. One day prior to this, that, that rings true to this, Jesus was sitting with his disciples, and he said, Lauren, who do men say that I am? And Lauren said, some say you're Elijah. And then he said, Melody, who do men say that I am? And Melody said, some say you're John. And then he said, who do you say that I am, Brenda? Well, some say you're a prophet. 
And then he looked over at Peter and he changed his question. And I believe he's changing his question for every one of us in this room this morning. Not what, who does your mama say I am? Not what, who does your favorite TV preacher? Not who Perry Stone says I am, Mark Casto, Rhonda Davis, Bishop Davis, whomever that might be, your great granny, I don't know. Who do you say I am, Nicole? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? Am I merely a prophet? Then you're putting me in the past. You see, when the crowd, when they said, who is this Jesus? The Pharisees, as he's come donkey, the Pharisees are saying, who is this Jesus? The crowd, I mean, there was millions of people there. They're rushing out to where he is. And when they asked the crowd, the crowd said, he's a prophet. Because the crowd was just holding on to who Jesus was. But the people dropping their cloaks were saying, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. They were saying what Peter said because when Jesus said to Peter, Todd, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. I'm going to tell you something. We don't often have the revelation of when and how Jesus comes to us. They didn't know that day, only a few. But it takes time to understand the processes of God in our life. If you're thinking about wrapping yourself up in your cloak and tying a big bow on it and calling it a day, let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, this morning, don't wrap a bow up on that marriage and say it's done. Don't wrap a bow up on your emotions and say it is done. Don't wrap a bow up on your addiction and say it is done. Don't just say he is the God of yesterday, but say he is king and he is Lord and he is Christ and I'm going to see his power today. Someone give him a praise for that. Take us to the highest level. It was their place in society. It was their wealth. It was even their gender. Pink and yellow, that was a female. Laying down their identity. Cloaks were so important, they exchanged them in marriage like we exchange rings. Cloaks were so important, they were a down payment on a promissory note. But when I take off my identity and I lay it on the floor, when I take off who I was to become who he wants to make me, I'm saying I know he's going to walk all over this. You see, they knew that Jesus and that donkey, that donkey was dirty. They're stubborn little, you know, A blank blank. And they would walk all over that, and it would be very dirty. But when I take off my identity in Jesus' presence, I say, I don't care if I get walked. I don't care if this gets dirty, if this goes ugly in the process of you making me like you. I'd rather be like you and become who you dreamed I could be. If it's messy, if it's dirty, if it's full of dung, come on somebody. If it's full of a passage I never saw coming. If on the other side of this, Lauren can take off her identity she's worn all her life and put on the identity of Jesus Christ, it is worth it. Somebody give him a shout of praise in this house. I acknowledge who you are, Jesus. You see, if you've never been around a donkey, they are stubborn. Look at your neighbor and say, good morning, little donkey. You look at your neighbor and say, good morning. Good morning. But here's you some facts you may not have known. I've got about 17 minutes. I can, I can do this until we get to the good part. Um, I've already had some good part. We'll get to some more good part. If you didn't know this about donkeys, they're often brought in to um, herd sheep because they will kick the head off of a predator. I got a little bit of donkey in me. Anybody else? Or kick the head 
You see, our stubbornness can be used for the glory of God. I never get concerned when I'm asked to mentor. I might pray more. A stubborn person. Uh, love a stubborn person. Raise a stubborn person. Um, whatever. Um, both my children have a little bit of strong-willed like she who's standing up here. And I had to get the donkey beat out of me. Anybody else there? Um, I don't mean my mom and daddy. I mean life has beaten and continues to beat the donkey out of me. You know, sometimes we don't like the vehicle that God rides into in our life. They didn't like that it was a donkey. Let me see, Keith, this would be the, the, the next president. Let's just pretend it's a Republican. And the next president, um, Bush or what's our other, Rubio or one of these other guys, it would like be them coming down to New York City and they ride down New York Times Square on a beat-up bicycle. I'm talking about the bicycle we rode when we were little, not all these fancy things. Come on. I'm talking about the big banana boat. Anybody had a banana boat bicycle? You know, big banana seat. You know, things get torn off of it. You know, half your wheel was off. Your handlebars was up here. Because we rode like the wind, people. We lived for the outdoors. We rode through woods. We rode through the city. I mean, we just, we were, we were a different kind of generation. And uh, But imagine the present. Imagine the Queen of England. Imagine the potentate. Just whomever you might deem saying, I'm coming. And, and here they come. I mean, even Pastor Billy Burke, who is a prophet among us, wouldn't come in here riding in a little beaten bicycle. But what Jesus was saying is, I'm riding on a vehicle that's all terrain. You see, donkeys have short little legs like me. And their horses are war horses, and they can climb just a certain way. But donkeys, that's why they use them. That's why Mary rode a donkey, because they have short little legs. So when they have to go around cliffs and burrows, they dig in, and they're so stubborn, they don't know how to let go of the path. You see, isn't it great that what we thought would take us out is that which takes us in and makes us powerful in the kingdom of God? One of my spiritual daughters, who well, it was Maggie, years ago, somebody was very mean to me, and she called me, and she said, I'm going to beat the H-E double toothpick out of them. I'm going to get them at Walmart. That's what she said. I'm going to scrap their, I'm going to tear their liver out. I mean, I just loved it. She said, I was a scrapper on the streets. I'm going to use the scrapping for Jesus now. And I said, I have no doubt that you could put her underneath the wheel. And I have no doubt that you could hurt her. But please remember what Christ said and pray for our enemies. But I love that God can, that God can use. Come on, everyone say, God can use. You don't have to say anymore. That which we thought was the worst part of us to become the best part. When we lay down our heart and our identity. That generous heart someone has in this room. God can use it. That compassionate, always forgiving heart. God can use it. God can use it. And those little donkeys were very stubborn. And they would get into paths. And, and the vehicle, what God was saying, what Jesus was saying is, I'm coming among you riding on a vehicle you never thought was possible. Listen, brothers and sisters. God has come into my life riding vehicles I would have never chosen on by myself. God has come to make me like him, riding vehicles in my life that I didn't expect. Sometimes it is pain or sometimes it's disappointment. Sometimes it's just that grief in your heart of, you know, you just bit her head off and you shouldn't have. Can I get an amen from anybody? Vehicles. God comes in and we don't recognize, but what Jesus was saying is, I'm riding an all-terrain vehicle into your life right now. You see, if he'd come in on a war horse, Rome would have recognized him as the great conqueror. Rome was in their parades and their pageants and their war horses. And please watch AD tonight. Holy Spirit comes to Jerusalem. It was on the front of TV Guide, so don't miss it. But, you know, you can see the Romans in their pomp and their circumstance. But when Jesus came, so came, he came in a way they didn't expect. When Jesus healed my heart 33 years ago, he came in a way I didn't expect. 
He just came right in the door at 740 Walker Street. He's come in many times since then. He came right in. He came in. You see, God is not the author of all events. Don't miss this. But he is the master of all events. This is a fallen world and things happen and things come into our life. What we talked about Wednesday night. And that's why we need recovery because things happen that disappoint us. But the Lord comes in in ways we don't imagine. But what Jesus said that day when he was riding that donkey was, I'm riding something that's eternal. I'm riding the kingship that belongs to God and God alone. I'm going to ride this all-terrain vehicle, meaning his meekness, his lowliness, his submission unto death, that I can take you somewhere eternal. And just like he said before, thank you, that's a great point. Nothing, he is not riding anything that's temporary. He is changing the temporary to the eternal. We want the flash in the pan. We want the big, if you're coming, Jesus, come in a Roy's Royce. Come on, somebody. If you're coming, Jesus, come in a Bentley. If you're coming, Jesus, elevate me to the highest pinnacle at my workplace and let all adore me at my feet grovel like a great one I am. Come on, somebody. I know you never thought that. If you're going to come to me, come to me with riches and, and come with me with rain diamonds out of the sky. And me and, and we would love a few men, right? Amen. But we have all these ways. But Jesus says, I'm coming and I'm going to bless you. But I'm coming to make something eternal work inside of you. You're looking for temporary. I'm looking for eternal. You want to wait and accept. Come on, give him a praise. You want to accept the temporary, but I'm looking for the eternal. The eternal takes time. Look at that donkey sitting next to you and say, it takes time. Eternal takes time. So when we acknowledge, when we acknowledge that he is higher than who I am, we begin to say, you know, Lord, I know there's some vehicles in my life that I've not liked so much. I'm going to show you a picture, first one of the Plaslo camp. And um, you can't really see that, but that is that those are like um, people that survived or died in, in the concentration camp. My Good friend Joni Lamb's daughter, Rebecca, uh, Rachel, has been there this week and sent me some things and posted some things because she knows I'm interested. Listen to this. We, keep that picture up. We celebrated Yom Shoha. Yom Shoha. Yom Shoha. Yom Ha Shoha. There you go. There you go. Um, and we celebrated, which is the remembrance of the Holocaust. This is the prayer that's written at this camp. I want you to read what those who survived wrote. Lord, remember not only the men of goodwill, but also those of ill will. But do not remember all the suffering they have inflicted upon us. Remember rather, brace yourself, the fruits that we have brought. Thanks to our suffering. The fruit we have brought, thanks to our suffering. Our, com our comradeship, our loyalty, our humility, the courage, the generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown out of this. And when they, everyone say they, they, their evil oppressors come to judgment. Listen to this. Let all the fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness. You see, isn't it amazing that people coming out of the Holocaust uh, could actually say that? That people coming out of the Holocaust, you know, what we have brought out of this, the, the fruit, the beauty, the things that we have learned out of our hardship. Lord, let the fruits we actually bring, let that be what brings forgiveness. That's when someone has picked up that Jesus sometimes, God sometimes, the fallen world sometimes 
rides in on a vehicle we don't like, but if we trust it into the hands of he who is the master of all things, he can make what was bad and horrible be used for the glory of God and the saving of other lives. Someone give God a hand clap of praise for that. I mentioned Wednesday night, if I can have the next picture, um, Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, 47 years ago, Johnny dove off of a cliff, and she dove too deep. She said that it was a wrong move, a wrong decision. She could have died right then because she knew immediately she was paralyzed. Her sister, who was a few feet above her, got bitten by a crab, and it forced her to turn around to see her sister who was drowning. She got out the first few days. She heard she an amazing book. Um, first few days, she laid and she begged her friends to bring sleeping pills. She tried to move her neck enough ways that she could break her upper neck so she could die. Um, she begged her friends to bring their brothers and their fathers razors, anything. She prayed and begged people to put her in a room and leave her there. And she said about four weeks after she got home, she said, she said to herself, Johnny, no one can live this way. No one can live praying to die every moment. And one of her doctors came in the room and said, Johnny, in America today, there are 25,000, probably more now, quadriplegics living in this country. And they have found a way to make a life. Do you believe that God has survived you for a purpose and a reason? And that is to bring glory to him. Is that not powerful? Now, the next picture, if you'll bring up, I can't remember what I had, but just you bring the next picture up. This is her. You know her as an artist. She paints with that brush in her teeth. Beautiful works of art. And this is years later. She's married. has a beautiful husband. His name is Tata, beautiful Asian gentleman. And she paints. And if you'll bring the next picture. And then this next picture shows you something that's really powerful. You see, she started a program years ago. I'm going to tell you something. Billy Burke told me, I don't know why his name's come up, probably because I'm mine, because Pastor Hank's down there. He told me years ago, you know the guy that does America's Most Wanted, John, yeah, Walsh, him. Yeah, you know, that came out of losing his child. Out of the day of desperation, out of the day of total defeat, out of those ashes, he decided to do something powerful. Pastor Billy told me, God always wants to redeem your ashes, but it's up to you and I to get our act together to become as smart as we can, intelligent as we can, bold as we can, and do something about what was being. As for me, I'm in recovery of addicts and the loss because it took everything from me 33 years ago, and I want to see redeemed. But what's in this life for you? She started a Wheels on Wheels. You know what she does? People donate old wheelchairs. They go into the prisons. And the inmates rebuild the wheelchairs, and they get them very nice. Then they're sent to children in America and overseas that have no hope of a wheelchair or walker. Tell me today that God can't take your pain and turn it into something beautiful. Your biggest loss, your biggest suffering, your biggest disappointment right now, right where you are, right where you work, right where you live, and I said Wednesday night what she said. She says every morning, Josh, if you'll get ready to come up and help me or come on up and start playing. She says every morning, listen to me, I'm not quite done, but I want him to play. She says, Jesus, I can't do this. And Keith, this is why she says, Jesus, I can't do this. She says, Jesus, in just a moment, for the next, there's going to be people going to come in this room. It won't be my husband. It'll be people that will come in and they'll have to lift me out of the bed. Um, they'll have to bathe me. They'll have to brush my hair. They'll have to 
flip me up and pull me over. They'll have to then take me to the bathroom. They will have to eliminate my waste for me. They will have to do all of that. And it'll take like two hours. And she says, every morning, Jesus, I can't go. She says, every morning, Jesus says the same thing to me. To what? But after 47 years, have you not learned that in the morning, you can do all things? There's somebody in this room right now that's in the valley of decision over here by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to continue. But you're saying, I can't do that. The choice that you feel like that, that God requires of you, you said, I can't do that. But God says, you're ready. I don't know who you are. You can't. But through the power of Christ, you can. I love what she said that... Um, she told my friend Marcus this week as they were on television, she's been known for years, and she said, Marcus, my gifts, listen, I think girls, you're like this. I like it. I've got disabilities. Maybe you think you don't. You are not human. Just go up with spots, okay? But the rest of us that have disabilities, the rest of us that have disabilities, she said, Marcus, my disability is like a sheepdog, and it snaps at my heel every morning and drives me straight to Calvary. I love that. My weakness, my challenge, my inconsistency, my story, your story, your weakness today is like a sheepdog. And that's why I tell people I wouldn't be so dependent on God if I'd been born cute and smart. But the time I was a child, I had to learn that the greater one could do anything for me. She who couldn't speak, couldn't tie her shoes when she was, I mean, I was the one child of my three. Everyone loved me because I was happy, but no one thought me going very far. But I learned when I was young, it's true, it's true. My older sister is brilliant. My younger brother is brilliant. They didn't crack books and they got their masters. Me, I had to study and dig and dig. But through that, I learned the more I could depend on him, he's elevated me and opened doors for me around the world. That doesn't really matter right now. They would have never said she'd be on international TV. <laughs> no one would have ever guessed that. They didn't think I could work myself out of a paper bag, but that learning to depend. I wonder today what's trying to be a sheepdog at the wheels of your life today and drive you to Calvary every morning where you say, Christ, I can't do this today. Christ, my marriage is not going to make it without you. Christ, I'm not going to, this is not going to happen. You see, we're all unredeemed donkeys. Listen to me in these closing moments. That donkey that was tied up, I have more to say here, but I've taken time to say other things that I felt he put in my spirit this morning. Listen to this. That donkey was tied up because according to the Levitical law in Israel and Passover, you had to redeem that donkey with a lamb. Well, the fact that it was tied up with its mother means it was unredeemed, which meant it would have been executed. It would have been killed. Law, we aren't under that law. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. You should go home and read the book of Leviticus just to remind yourself Jesus squashed that book for you. I mean it. Your head will spin like a scene off the exorcist as you read all those laws. Jesus redeemed us, but you had to redeem that according to the law. And it, the fact that it was tied up on that day meant it was unredeemed. And that's why they willingly gave it up to the master. I love it that Jesus rode an unredeemed donkey into Jerusalem. I love that a lamb had to be offered for that unredeemed donkey. I love that today Jesus comes to this earth in unredeemed donkeys. Amen. 
He's riding right on top of us, in us. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is the mystery Paul spoke about in Colossians 1 and 26. You see, that donkey, he came because if it had been a war horse, they would have said, he is the Messiah. But no, no, what they were saying is, I'm taking off my cloak. I acknowledge, Jesus, that who you can make me, this unredeemed donkey, this vehicle that no one sees coming, no one's thought about. But Lewis spoke to me Wednesday night about Kim Cook, one of the graduates. He said, Pastor we want to get married, but in Georgia, they won't hire a felon. I said, well, that's ridiculous. I said, I'm going to come down there and talk to them. He goes, well, I don't know if that would help. I said, I'll come anyway. But he said, they, they won't, you know, I was telling him this, this plan, because he had heard about my conversation with Governor Bill Haslam's assistant, who called me this week. Can't go into that, but very exciting. People want to invest and celebrate recovery. Is that not awesome? Woo! And um, had heard, and, and, and just Governor Haslam has a heart to change the stigma of addiction. And he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I gave him some practical steps. But I also said, I'm going to pray with you, Lewis. But I gave him practical steps. And I, I know the manager at Cook's. I know they just spoke to me about the Hope House program. I know they've been very pleased. And I recommended some business protocol that might bring help in this situation. I said, I mean, she doesn't have to work. I can pay the bills. He said, but she wants to work. She's got these gifts. She can open her own deli. And I said, Lewis, no one is going to keep a felon from opening their own deli. I said, there is no laws about that. I said, so why don't we believe for God to put it in your hand to open up your own deli? Why not do that? Come on, somebody. You know, but, you know, here's the deal. Jesus is riding unredeemed donkeys. And I said, Lewis, I, I'm, I don't want to freak you out with my prophetic thinking or anything. You know, I try not to go where people aren't in that moment. But I said, let me say to you, Lewis, I said, God is raising up people out of all kind of ashes. It's not just an addiction. They are going to be hired. I said, we have businessmen in this city, per Pastor Hank and my request, have hired them and given them jobs. Because you know what? There is not an unredeemed donkey in the planet. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, come on somebody, came into this earth, have walked this earth with fallenness. I love that, brothers and sisters. What does Jesus want? To, oh, we're his vehicle. We're that unredeemed He's riding. He said, I want to do something eternal. I want to ride with Rhonda Davis and help her to speak into the lives of the broken. And I want to come through Gerald at the justice system. We don't usually say Gerald's a correctional officer. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this through Leanne. And yes, we're all unredeemed. But our king came to us and he still comes to us today. And he's coming through us to others. Can you say amen? When they put their cloaks and then we're going to pray. They're saying, I'm not concerned about the way I look either. I lay down my identity. I acknowledge that you are king, not just a prophet of the past. I don't just acknowledge that you've opened blinded eyes. I acknowledge that you are king and Lord. I acknowledge that you are Christ. I acknowledge who you can be in my life today. I am not going to dwell in the yesterday of everything you did. Stop building a monument to the way God did things yesterday. The revival that's on the scene may not look the same at one church as it looks at another church. God comes to move among his people, but what if he chose this house for 500 people to get saved every year and people to come in from the system and come in from other places. People might would come in and say, is this revival? Oh yeah, Jesus would say indeed it is. For the salvation of the lost and the prodigals is the highest order. It 
It is the greatest mandate from heaven. It is the eternal. Lead us to the highest level. And they were saying, I don't care how it looks like I laid down my life. I laid down my cloak. I laid down today. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do in a minute when we pray. I lay down the way I think that you're coming. And I lay down what I thought would be right about my life. And I lay down the position I thought that I would And I come over here, Jesus, and I lay down my responsibility. And you're riding that unredeemed donkey, and I'm unredeemed too, only by your salvation. So I lay that down, and I acknowledge that you are Lord. I believe you can do more with me than I can do with myself. I believe you can take me to the highest level. I believe you can take me to a place of strength and courage and, and peace and, and wholeness. Wholeness is a beautiful thing. So I lay it down. I acknowledge and I also lay it down because I know a king, listen to this, never travels alone. They laid down their cloaks because they knew. Those that knew he was king know wherever he's going, he won't travel alone. A king always takes other people with him. I want my king to take me with him. I've traveled with the bruised. I've traveled with the wounded. I've traveled with sinners. I've traveled with those. I've dangled in the pit of despair. I've dangled in the pit of every sin that you can think of. You have too. That would be possible for you and I. I've traveled in those groups and found that the end of that group, adultery ends in despair. Fornication ends in despair. I'm just naming things now. Alcoholism ends in despair, theft, living and saying I'm my own God leads into despair but there is a king that he says if you travel with me, I've got an all terrain vehicle that's going to climb upon the high places of the earth, it doesn't matter what it looks like, it's only temporary for I the king my name is Jesus Christ I'm doing the eternal in you, somebody stand in this house and give him the best praise I'm done preaching, come on Give him the best praise. Give him the best praise. Come on. Come on. Lead us to the highest level. Come on. Give him a praise. Put your hands together. Shout out, Hosanna. Shout out, Hosanna. Shout out, Hosanna. Lead me to the highest level. Thank you, Jesus. In this place, wherever you are this morning, before we pray together, Jesus sees you right there. 